Hello, and welcome to Dr. Mara Carpell and your golden years. This Sunday and every Sunday night at 5 p.m. Central Time and that's 6 p.m. Eastern Time right here on blogtalkradio.com and on drmaricarpel.com and also now on Apple Podcasts. I don't know where our introductory song went, but we're here. So today is Sunday, June 21st, 2020. Happy summer. And happy Father's Day to all the dads, granddads, goddads, uncles, mentors, and father figures out there. I'm psychologist Dr. Mara Carpell, and I'm coming to you live from beautiful Austin, Texas. I hope that you're all staying safe wherever you are. Um, Art Mendoza of Accomplice Entertainment, producer of this program, is here to make sure that our show runs smoothly as usual, and we have another great program in store for you this evening. In a little while after the break, we'll be joined from Minnesota by social worker, writer, meditation teacher, and author of The Zen Path Through Depression, Phil Martin. And Phil joins us to discuss the Zen Path Through this difficult time. And later in the show, friends of this show, singers, Renee and Jim Oliphant of the musical duo Ragtop will join us once again to tell us what they've been up to during this pandemic and this downtime in the music world. And along the way, I'll discuss a couple of things. If I have time, I have some things to talk about. And throughout this evening's program, we will have time to take your questions. So if you have any questions or comments for me or for my guests, please feel free to give a call. The toll-free number is 855-345-4720. That's 855-345-4720. Or you can email your questions to me, and I will read them on the air. My email address is drmara, that's D-R-M-A-R-A, at drmarakarpel.com, D-R-M-A-R-A-K-A-R-P-E-L.com. And you can hear this evening's program again by going to my website, and the link to the podcast will be posted later tonight, along with all of the website links given by my guests on the program. And you can hear the podcast in as soon as five minutes after the show ends by going directly to blog talk radio, B-L-O-G, talkradio.com, slash your golden years. And you can also listen to the podcast five minutes after the show ends by going to Apple Podcasts. And the link to that is on my website link about this program. And for information from previous programs to listen to previous programs, read my blogs, find out about my book, all of that, go to my website, drmaracarpel.com. And all of the programs that date back and a half years since we've been on Blog Talk Radio can be heard at blogtalkradio.com slash your golden years and on Apple Podcasts. And for information about future programs and upcoming events, uh, follow me on Facebook, Dr. Mara Carpell, Your Golden Years. This show is produced by Accomplice Entertainment, Postal Productions, and Psyched Up Productions. And we're going to take a brief break. 
don't go anywhere because it'll, because it'll be very brief. And when we come back, we'll be joined from Minnesota by social worker, writer, meditation teacher, and author of the Zen Path Through Depression, Phil Martin, to talk about the Zen Path through this time. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Super psychologist Dr. Mara Carpell will be back after words from our sponsors. Worry about memory loss? Dr. Ronald DeVere, certified neurologist and director of Alzheimer's disease and memory disorders in Lakeway, has been helping those with dementia and memory loss for over 12 years. Specializing in the diagnosis, treatment, and counseling of those with memory loss and dementia, Dr. DeVere also has a book to reduce your worry and fear by knowing the fact. Memory loss, everything you want to know but forget to ask. Available now on Amazon.com. Dr. Ronald DeVere, Alzheimer's disease and memory disorders center in Lakeway, and his book, Memory Loss, everything you want to know but forget to ask. For more information or to schedule an appointment, call 512-261-7909. Dr. Mara's book, The Passionate Life, Creating Vitality and Joy at Any Age, is now available on Kindle and in paperback at Amazon. Don't forget to listen to Dr. Mara Carpell and your golden years live from Austin, Texas, every Sunday on blogtalkradio.com. And we are back. If you're just joining us, this is Dr. Mara Carpell and your golden years right here on blogtalkradio.com and on drmaracarpell.com. And joining me on the phone from Minnesota is social worker, writer, meditation teacher, and author of The Zen Path Through Depression, Phil Martin. Welcome, Phil. Thank you, Mara. Good to talk to you. Yeah, so glad to have you here. Um, I was so excited when you said yes about being on the program. Um, maybe you can give our listeners a little bit about your background before we go on with our discussion. Oh, sure. Um, well, I've worked um, for almost 35 years now as a, a mental health social worker working in uh, uh, counties in Minnesota working in the community with people with mental health issues. Um, I've also studied uh, Zen and practiced Zen for about 40 years. And um, about around 1999, after I'd had a struggle with a depression of my own, um, I wanted to put something out that would be helpful to people going through that, um, share a little bit of what I'd learned and, and how to find what might be of value in such a difficult experience. So I wrote the book, uh, The Zen Path Through Depression. And um, since then, I've also been giving talks and working with people with depression and trying to combine mindfulness practice and and some of the teachings of Zen uh, to be of assistance for those folks also. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I, I mentioned to you that I had come across your book when I had just started my practice in Texas, and, um, you know, I had some depressed clients, and I I came across your book, and I thought, well, this is really a different approach than, you know, the typical approach, which which wasn't working with some of my clients, Um, meditation, I mean, the medication, medication, not meditation, medication, (laughs) as well as, you know, I was doing cognitive behavioral therapy, which, you know, often works, but uh, it seemed like, you know, we were really stuck. So I ended up buying a couple of copies of the book, giving one to one of my clients and keeping one 
for myself and really found it to be a very different approach and really important, um, I, I think. And I put it away on the shelf. And um, when we were dealing, we, you know, we started dealing with this pandemic and isolation, um, as it progressed and people were starting to go out while others of us were saying, you know, we're going to stay home and isolate, it started to feel really similar to depression, even though um, I don't think that I was feeling depressed. I think some of the people that I spoke to have become depressed, but I found that there were similarities that can certainly lead to depression. You know, that um, there was some, like all of a sudden your book popped into my head and I felt that this was something that I needed to read again to get through this time. So, you know, maybe we could talk about that. Like what are some of the similarities would you say between the isolation from this pandemic and, and, and depression in general? Well, I think, as you said, I mean, one of the keys is, is the sense of isolation. Um, Depression seems to be an experience that feels very isolating and and um, we both feel that within ourselves and kind of bring it on ourselves but we're also struggling with something that other people can't see um, uh, some people don't even believe in it you know they're taking this approach of well you just need to pull yourself up and if you just put a smile on your face every you know that that this depression isn't real and I think there have been some people who kind of question those of us who have tried to be cautious and and think about ourselves and think about others through this pandemic. And there are those who just kind of think it's um, something imaginary, as as people often do with depression too. Um, mm-hmm. I think the other the one of the other things that I think is is um, similar is that for many of us in depression, I heard this as I would talk with people, is it has such a feeling of being so different than anything people have been through before when they haven't experienced it. It really is, um, there's this great uncertainty. It kind of really is like you're in this unknown territory that um, feels like the world you're living in is, is changed and is different and you don't have a, a map or a, or a guide to get through it. And I've been thinking a little bit about that just these last couple of days too, that, you know, this is, um, I don't think any of us have ever been anything through anything quite like this. And we just don't know how to think about it, how to navigate our ways through it. And and in that way too, it's very similar to depression. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good point. I think that that feeling of being lost and not knowing what to do is pretty strong. Um, and I think that first part that you mentioned is uh, uh, for me that for me personally, it has been the most difficult part that feeling uh, like when we were all doing this together at the beginning, when everybody was staying home and isolating and, and saying, yeah, we need to, you know, we need to hunker down and, and stay safe and keep each other safe. It felt really strange and bizarre, but it didn't have that same level. I think it brought it to a new level when some people 
started going out and saying, ah, everything's fine. You're just scared. And um, I think that that brought about more isolation. Yeah, very much so. Now we're no longer in it together. And I think that, um, you know, I think one of the other things that happens in depression, and and again, uh, the the similarity, what we're going through now is that um, things both become kind of magnified. Um, You know, you could say all our all our um, inadequate or um, useless coping skills, we still fall back on all of those things. And, um, and, and at the same time, and, and we can talk about this in a minute too, there, you know, there are positive things that come out of it in that kind of stripping life down to what's most important for us. But one of the things I know I saw a lot in myself in going through a depression and that I'd hear from other people is this, tendency we have to want to, first of all, it comes from feeling we need to have a reason for something. And as uh, I read something not too long ago that said, you know, there is no reason for this virus. It doesn't have it in for us. It's, um, this is just something that's happening that we need to deal with. And we can get lost in trying to think about it and figure it out. And that can be useful. But um, ultimately, we still are left with with the situation and, and the question and what to do about it. I think the other thing then that, that happens frequently um, when we're looking for a reason, the next thing we, we hit on is um, trying to find blame. And, um, you know, mm-hmm. people in, in depression, often they try and blame others. You know, if you only cared enough about me, if you treated me better, I wouldn't feel depressed or what's almost more harmful is those of us who say, you know, if I were just stronger, if I were a better person, if I mm-hmm. prayed harder, if I ate healthier, if I slept better, I wouldn't be depressed. And this is some some kind of a punishment. And uh, again, that, that really doesn't help the situation either. I think we need to try and set aside that blame. And I see so much of that here that, you know, it's um, it's people who are going overboard with closing things down and wearing masks. So those who are not, you know, it's, um, it's just this people kind of fighting under um, the, the flag of whatever they believe in. And um, in some ways it really brings again into sharp relief what it is we believe in. And we have to think about, is that something that's helpful to us? Is it, is it going to move things forward or, or help us or help other people or does it really just get in the way? Right, right. Now, you know, I, I think, and I think this is where the positive part comes in. <laughs> Maybe you could you could tell me, but um, you know, we had this discussion about how some people feel that in their spirituality, um, that means the best way to deal with it is to sort of ignore anything negative and and only focus on the positive. But we were discussing how Zen is very is isn't that, and maybe you can talk about that. Like, what would be the Zen path through this, and also that's similar to the Zen path through depression? Yeah, well, you know, one of the first points of of Zen or Buddhist practice in general is is um, that the the teacher known as the Buddha had identified that there is struggle and suffering in this life. Um, so 
there's a there's a problem when we're trying to say that isn't the case when we try to um, ignore that or pretend that it isn't there. Um, and the the way we can deal with life more fully, which is what the the point of Zen practice is, is to to really open to to all of life and to um, make ourselves part of it and and to let it enter us. Um, is is by not pushing away what's unpleasant or uncomfortable. Um, you know, I, I think we know we we've learned even in um, anyone who's been in any kind of therapy realizes that it it doesn't work that way. If you deaden yourself to what's uncomfortable, um, you pretty much are deadening yourself to anything that's that's joyful or positive. Mm-hmm. Also, so you have to mm-hmm. you know try and open yourself up to all of it. Um, and, and at the same time, um, it's it's a funny thing with depression. I think for some people with this, some of us hang on to the 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 fear or the uh, the uncertainty that's going on right now. And some people find depression is is almost comforting in a way. And um, you know, there's a well-known meditation teacher who said, you know, you don't try and push your thoughts away, but you also don't need to invite them in to stay for tea. You you hold everything loosely. Uh Uh-huh, uh-huh. So so what you're saying is some people really grab onto it and identify that I'm a depressed person or I'm, you know, this is it. I'm I'm a hermit forever. (laughs) Yeah, or I'm I'm deserving of this or we're all deserving of this. um, Uh Uh-huh. It's there's a um, wonderful poem by uh, the Persian poet Rumi who talks about this being human as a guest house every morning, a new arrival, a joy, a depression, a meanness, some momentary awareness comes. And um, he says, be grateful for whoever comes because each has been sent as a guide from beyond. Um, mm. And that was what I tried to do with the depression when I was in the midst of that was to to take that as some kind of a, a message that I needed to explore and, and see what it could teach me about myself and about my relationship with the world. Um, mm-hmm. Again, mm-hmm. I was in the midst of it, so why why push it away? Why not uh, at least try and see what it has to teach me and what I can, can do with it? Right, right. Now, how do you think this pandemic might be doing that and teaching us I, you know, I, I, you and I had mentioned when we talked um, earlier about uh, some of this that it seems to be that people, um, in some way, we've been um, pushing away or maybe not paying attention to um, some of the issues that are have been going on in in our country and in the world uh, as people are mm-hmm. um, waking up a little bit to some of what's been happening with. Um, Black Lives Matter and some of these other issues. I, I don't know if we would have um, maybe looked at it if we'd not been able to to pause and come to a point in our lives where we were a little bit more able to open up and, and notice these things um, instead of just keeping busy with work and activities and, and uh, friendships and all the things that are also positive. But um, this is this has been kind of an opportunity to to pause, I think, and I, I talk a lot when we do um, 
guided meditations and a, a group I do with people with depression that so much of what mindfulness or meditation practices is, is really just taking that moment to pause and, and turn um, the, the light of our attention both on ourselves and also on the world around us instead of being so busy rushing around. Um, it's just practice and stopping, I mean, literally stopping uh, on the, the pillow or the chair where you're sitting to, to pay attention to what's going on. Um, and this has kind of forced us to do that, I think. Mhm, mhm. Yeah, I agree. I think um, people are, and I, and before the pandemic, I was I was talking a lot on the program about you know trying to take some time not to be busy <laughs> mm-hmm. um, because everybody <laughs> complains that they're just too busy, but they don't want to stop being busy. And now this has kind of been like uh, you don't have a choice. Yeah. Most of us, and it will unless be, you're a healthcare worker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and it, it, I think what's going to be very interesting is to see um, what kinds of, of lingering changes we might see if we if if we've learned that um, you know there is some value in not racing around like that, and and if being if withdrawing or maybe you know sometimes slowing down or or not having to be in huge crowds. I mean, it, it, it can be taken all kinds of different ways, um, kind of holding fast to, to a few good friends and, and really making sure that we nurture those relationships. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. You mentioned and, earlier sort of like a stripping down of what is really important to us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's, um, I mean, that, that's any of the, the great, religious or spiritual teachings, one of the things they talk about, um, and it's not always a, a pleasant thing to bring up, but um, the, the, the fact that keeping the death in our minds, the fact that we're not going to live forever, and, and therefore we can see that life is a little more precious, that that makes us more grateful and take more time for things. And I think um, one of the things I talk about with people with depression is, um, you know, it gives you partly an opportunity to, as you do get down to what, um, what is important to you and to say, you know, if I learn that, that maybe not working myself ragged helps with my depression, then you have to ask yourself, what am I willing to do to be less depressed and to, I mean, to, to put it more positively, to simply be happy? Um, what mm-hmm. steps am I willing to take to do that? Um, and, and sometimes it does, it is a matter of, cutting things back. I, um, I'm just looking out my window at, at some rose bushes and I uh, finally got brave enough. They were not doing very well. And this spring I cut them down nearly to the ground and, uh, because I was always afraid if I, if I do that, what will happen? You know, and, and now uh-huh. here they are, they're an explosion of red and they're looking better than they ever have. Um, mm-hmm. But it, it needed mm-hmm. that, that cutting back. Um, we we've been talking a lot in the the mindfulness group I have about how this pandemic is kind of in some ways, um, you know, people have said it's almost like the world is on fire and flames. And we've talked about, mm-hmm. well, the, a, a good forest fire is, is necessary for the health of a forest for one thing. And a good fire sometimes serves to, to um, clear out some of what we don't need in our own lives and, and to allow room for new things to grow. 
Right. Right. Yeah, everybody's talking about, you know, when things get back to normal or whatever <laughs> that looks like. And I was thinking that, you know, people talk about the new normal. Is You know, I know it's a Zen Buddhist concept that we're always living in a new normal, that nothing yes. ever stays the same. <laughs> and, and um, I mean, if we were to be honest about it, um, was that old normal really all that great as much as we might long for it? Um, right. You know, it had, there, were, there were good things to it, but certainly a few things we could change. Right. Maybe this will be uh, bring us to a new, better normal. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and you, and you brought up the, the racial tension. I know that you're in uh, Minnesota. And um, and even that, you know, the the pandemic caused us to kind of slow down and pay attention. And now we're really paying attention and there's been a lot of tension and some people wish that would go away. But maybe that also is what we need. That's the forest fire, right? To bring yeah, us and, to a and, new, better normal. Yes. And I think, and you know, probably the other part of it is that it's um, – for everyone, but I can say, certainly say as a, a, a white person that it's um, there's a lot of um, uncomfortable things to have to look at. And so there again, it helps to, to not just try and push those things that, that feel uncomfortable to us away, but to really allow them in and to, to look at them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It certainly brought, well, go ahead, I'm sorry. No, no, go on, please. Well, I was just going to say it's. I mean, I think what's been interesting here is um, in in Minnesota. You know, we tend to think of ourselves as Minnesota nice, and we're somehow beyond racism, and and that exists other places. And this has forced us to to see that that's not the case. That there's still a lot we need to confront and deal with here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, um, what would what would be a Zen approach in dealing with that? I mean, you mentioned, you know, really facing it and sitting with the uncomfortableness. Um, and what are your thoughts about how Zen sort of informs us in our compassion? Um, yeah, that I mean, and that's the important point. And that's it's sometimes it, there are even arguments within. Uh, in Zen circles about that, that um, people can get so focused on just making things better for themselves, whether it's um, dealing with their own suffering um, or if it's, if they're fo- focused on just getting their own enlightenment and um, what the scriptures and the teachings all say is that you do, you do that in order to help all other beings. Um, and, in, in it's not um, I guess in, in Zen teaching you could say it's not about accepting um, that just because someone says that that you you have to be good and that that's that's what it's about. Um, what what we hope is that the practice and I think again meditation can really help with that. It begins to to break down those barriers um, as we let more in. We also are more open to other people's experience so that we can start to begin to understand what it feels like 
um, for other people in this world. And, and, you know, that, that understanding automatically leads to compassion, um, understanding that we're all struggling, we're all suffering, we're all on a path and trying to do our best. Um, you know, it lets us um, not only pause and, and give a little, cut ourselves a little slack, but begin to cut other people a little slack too. Um, which again, I think that's mm-hmm. part of what, what is possible too during the pandemic here to understand that, you know, everyone is, is struggling. This is difficult and frightening for all of us. And um, mm-hmm. your choice is to, to be angry and, and uh, you know, cough on people that uh, are frightened of it, or you could <laughs> just decide that you're going to be a little bit more giving and, and forgiving and understanding and, and try and make things better for everyone. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, in having that compassion, to, you know, it, it seems like it would change our behavior. It's not just a feeling, but it actually causes us to act differently. I think it, yeah, it, I think it has to. Um, I think when you see things differently um, and, and it's, the, the unfortunate thing that I think is should always be a warning to people when they're beginning to try and explore things or learn more about themselves is that it's hard to unsee or unlearn the, the things you may find on your, on your path or your journey. And in fact, you're going to have to, it's going to become even harder to turn away from it. Then you're going to have to work even harder at being in denial and ignoring what you see. And it's going to be something that, you take in deeply um, into your heart and your body, and you're going to want to act um, on, on the basis of what you've seen and what you understand, that new understanding that you have. Right, right. You can't unsee. No. Nope. You can't unsee what you've seen. Um, people certainly try, <laughs> right? Yeah. There, there's a lot of ways you can you can go back to – to um, chemicals or, or busyness or all of the other things that people have as ways mm-hmm. to, to keep themselves um, from facing what life really is about. But, right. Irrationalizing. Um, yeah. But you'll, you know, and then, of course, the other thing is that um, there again, then, you know, if you're avoiding those things, you're also avoiding the joyful parts of it. Um, one of the stories that we often use in, in mindfulness class that I like to repeat is of the man being out for a walk and being chased uh, by a tiger going down a cliff and he's hanging from the cliff face by a little branch is all that there is to hang from. And he looks up and sees the tiger is waiting for them. He looks down and sees there's another target tiger waiting in case he should fall. And uh-huh. he looks and sees that there are two little mice chewing away at the, the branch he's hanging on to. And um, <laughs> so he's, you know, which is, I think that's, you know, life. Nobody as, as the, I think the Jimi Hendrix song says, no one here gets out alive. That is how it will end for all of us. But then he looks off to his side and he sees two red ripe strawberries. And the story says that he picked them and how sweet they tasted. 
<laughs> and and that's the end. You know, the first time I heard that story, I thought, but, well, you've got to tell me what happens. <laughs> um, you know, so I I always say to people that I can promise you that no matter how difficult things are, you are going to find those strawberries. And if you're not paying attention, you're going to miss them, and you're not going to be able to taste how sweet they are. You have to right. you have to be able to take those when you see them too. Mhm. Mhm. Right. Well, this has been very interesting and I am so glad that you agreed to be on the program to talk about it and it just, you know, I think it's just perfect timing. Um mm-hmm. and so if listeners are interested in reading your book, The Zen Path Through Depression, which is a really, I mean, it's a really good, it's a nice little book, easy to get through and very, very informative with a lot of really good um, meditations in it. Um, And if they want to read your blogs or listen to your guided meditations or anything else that you have, um, how can they do that? Um, Well, the book is available just about everywhere. And then I have a a blog that's just uh, all lowercase thezenpath.com and it has some of the guided meditations on there and and, um, some other things that people might find helpful and interesting and um, yeah I'm glad you found the book so helpful I tried to make it be short because I think especially when a person's in depression it's hard to concentrate for very long so I tried to make it very practical and helpful too and it is it is Um, well obviously because it popped up that was just, that was just it just like popped into my head years later. Well, that's so nice <laughs> to hear. I think that would be a good book for me to read right now. So um, <laughs> again, well, thank you so much again for being on the program, and you know, let's stay in touch. I'd love to have you come back sometime in the future. Oh, that'd be great. Yeah, and and well, thank you for having me, and thank you. This is a wonderful show, and I think it's good work you're doing in in uh, getting this all this information out to people. So thank you too. Well, thank you. Well, thank you. And you have a, you have a very good evening and stay safe. You too. Take care. Uh, All right. right. Bye-bye now. Bye-bye. All right. We're going to take a brief break. Um, We have more to come, so don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Are you or a loved one a Medicare beneficiary? Help save you and Medicare money by stopping Medicare fraud. Fraud happens when Medicare is billed for services or supplies you never receive. There are three easy things you can do to fight fraud. Review your Medicare claims for accuracy, protect your personal information, and be on the lookout for suspicious activity. For more information or to report fraud, call Medicare at 1-800-MEDICARE or your local SHIP counselor at the Area Agency on Aging at 1-800-252-9240. Please visit us on the web at www.drmaricarpel.com. All right, and we are back. If you're just joining us, this is Dr. Mara Carpell and your golden years right here on blogtalkradio.com and on drmaracarpell.com. Before we go to our musical friends, Ragtop, I just wanted to bring up a couple of things. And one is, you know, the sort of dovetails with what Phil Martin was talking about. Um, I've been reading... Um, during this time of quiet, 
<laughs> I've been reading Walden. It seemed like the right book to read at this time by Henry David Thoreau. And um, really, you know, about, you know, how he just decided to live a very simple life. If you've ever read the book, it's pretty profound. Um, living in a cabin on a lake in the woods um, just for two years and just like analyzing the rest of the world and how um, how much time is wasted in busyness and having a and having to work ourselves to death just to have more and more things that we might not really need. So it's about simplifying life, and um, he was very critical. Um, and it brought up another issue. And one of the quotes that I pulled from that book is when one man has reduced a fact of the imagination to be a fact of his understanding, I foresee that all men will at length establish their lives on that basis. And it made me think about how people, you know, as a psychologist, I, I, I speak about that a lot with my clients, that we create um, false thoughts that that make our life more difficult by convincing ourselves that all of our thoughts are real, but they're really, imag- a lot of things are imagined, and, and we imagine worst-case scenarios. So there's that part of it. And then the other part of it, in talking about this pandemic, as we were discussing Um, just a few minutes ago, that a lot of people um, tend to believe what they want to believe about something that is scientific. This is a health issue, a public health issue, based on science. But people will convince themselves of um, following what feels right to them or uh, the new word these days is resonates it resonates with me and I think that um, when we do that we're led away from actually looking at the science and following what good science tells us and that's one of the things that I learned in graduate school and I'm going to write a blog about this um you know, one of the things that I had to do in graduate school was a lot of research, and that was not my favorite part. I was there to be a clinician. Um, so I did both and, and because I had to do the research part, and I wanted to do the clinical part, and so it took me a long time, eight years, to get to graduate school. Um, but the benefit of the research was that it forced me to be very critical of information and to look at where it's coming from and is it really based on good science factual information. Um, Yes, the clinical side, a lot of that was based on what resonates. And certainly I talk about, you know, follow your intuition to guide you on what you feel passionate about and and what you want to do with your life and follow your dream. That's all based on that word resonates. But when we're talking about actual science, we really need to look at science. And we can't go by what resonates with us. We have to talk about um, what facts have been scientifically found. And to bring it back to a Buddhist 
um, concept, and that is non-attachment. When you are attached um, to an outcome, so when you're doing a scientific study, for example, if you're attached to your hypothesis, then you're not going to do a good study. You have to be very open to whatever you find and then looking at the reasons that you found it. Um, was it that you were wrong? Did you disprove your hypothesis or do you need to do the experiment over again? Maybe there were some other variables that got in the way. But if you're so attached to your hypothesis that you continue to just say that it's um, related to, uh, you know, false findings, then you're not going to do good science. Um, scientific studies are all about disproving hypotheses, and we need to be willing to give that up. So when we're stuck with our belief or what resonates with us, um, what feels right, then we're living in imagination. We're not living in science. And when we base our health and wellness on imagination rather than science, then we we find ourselves in a lot of trouble. So I wanted to kind of bring that up. Um, because it sort of fits with um, this whole um, this whole idea of non-attachment of Buddhism and and the uh, pandemic causing us to sort of lay low and really think about what really um, what really is important and what is really um, you know, away, you know, wasting our time away so that we never really have a time to enjoy ourselves. So those two points sort of came up and they fit with this blog that I'm writing about science and versus um, where it resonates. Um, so that blog will be published this week. Keep your eye open. I will be posting that on my Facebook page, Dr. Mara Carpell, uh, Your Golden Years. Um, as soon as it launches on Facebook. And um, and if you didn't listen last week, I had an interview early last, um, the week before, with um, Clayton Tucker, who's running for Senate here in Texas, and he's very interested in mental health. So he interviewed me on Facebook Live about mental health issues. And um, that is on my face page. It's also on my website under um, speaking engagements. And I, the podcast for um, Robert McPhee, Excellent Decisions podcast, um, is also now posted on um, my website and on Facebook. So you can check both of those out. All right. So. Now it's time for our musical guests, um, friends of the show, and the um, Jim and Renee Oliphant to our red top. Sometimes I'm right and I can be wrong. My own beliefs over in my song. A butcher, a baker, a drummer, and then makes no difference what group I'm in. Everyday people 
with the fat one Trying to be the skinny one Different strokes for different folks And so on and so on
continued to unfold. We needed to be there. So that's that's been taking up most of our time, and the rest has been okay. uh, being safe. Well, you know, it's a it's a it's a learning curve. We we discovered that when we went from a radio station to you know blog talk, uh, we had to become well, Art had to become a sound engineer. But it's a good skill to have because I think you're right. This is the future. This is what's going to be. You know. Hopefully, will people you'll be back performing, but now people will also be wanting to see things on social media. And it's it's been good to learn the the, the proper technology to make it work right. I think yeah. we just wanted to we wanted to do it right. We want the sound and video to be good. We're we're ten ten weeks into it, and I figure by week twelve we'll probably have it figured out. So we're we're, <laughs> we're getting there. Okay. All right. Um, have you have you done any recording? No, we we really would like to get back to the studio, but we've um, I think one of the things when one of our earlier visits when we we first got acquainted on the show and mentioned that we started playing when Renee was diagnosed with lupus. So mm-hmm. because of that diagnosis, her immunologist has told us that we needed to be particularly careful at this time. So we're playing um, what we are doing our outdoor events. Um, uh-huh. Right now, we've got some of those available, and then we're all still we are doing um, outdoor events at some of the senior centers as well. We we play some music there, a lot of '50s music. We have a lot of fun with our our senior population, but mm-hmm. we're doing outdoor shows in courtyards where we call them contactless courtyard concerts. Cool. We just show up, we set up our gear. We do an hour of music, and they crack the windows inside, and they listen inside and enjoy it. So there's no contact with any staff, nice. employees, or anyone. So we've been able to keep some of that going, and as some of the places have tested and come back uh, real clean and been able to keep people safe, we're able to do more of those, which is encouraging. Mm-hmm. And uh, we've been yeah. playing some arenas and some outdoor winery events, so we were able to do some. But like I say, it's about 25%, and we really just can't get in an indoor situation right now with Renee's health risk. I think the the biggest thing there is with her lupus, she has damage to her B cells. And uh, of all the things, Dr. Carvel, of all the things for her that could possibly be wrong with her on the B cell issue was her immunologist says she cannot produce antibodies to fight off a lung infection. Mm. So Mm. if it were anything else, you know, wouldn't have mattered. But she just advised us to be a little more cautious. So we, we have been. So we haven't got back to the studio yet. The songs we we shared were songs that just really, they spoke to us about the times, I think, and their stuff that we had yeah. put a lot of uh, effort into recording. And then we, we did share one that we thought would be a, definitely appropriate for Father's Day and a couple that just spoke to us. Well, the one that we just played was Everyday People. Maybe you could talk about that. Sure. Um, I, I love that song. That's originally a 1968 song. And, I was born in 60, Renee was born in 62. 60. So we're both we're both of that era. We were a little young, but that music mm-hmm. really stayed with us. That was Sly and the Family Stone did that. And uh actually what's what's really interesting about it is that he was one of the first major integrated bands in rock history, Sly and the Family Stone. And mm. he was way ahead of his time and and the message in the song was about peace and equality through music and we uh, heard it again, and I guess what sparked our interest in recording it was we heard a version 
by the Forest Rangers, who did the soundtrack and most of the music production for the uh, Sons of Anarchy series. And Katie Seagal, actually, uh, who played Gemma in the series, and um, she sang on the song. And they did a version very similar to that arrangement that we did. And I thought that was a really nice way to bring the song back into an arrangement that would grab listeners again and let them hear that message that needed to be heard. Right, right. Yeah, it's very nice. I like your and Renee did all the harmony. I'm sorry. Yeah, Renee mm-hmm. did all the harmonies on that herself. We, we, uh, she sings those actually in studio. We're we're old school, I guess, because of us being born in '60. But we we don't do the auto tune <laughs> or the harmonizer. So on any of the songs where she could sing her own harmony parts, she did. It just to, to us, it's there. There may be subtle places it doesn't. It's not perfect, and that's what we we liked. We liked that mojo of the music and I mean it mm-hmm. just it makes it real and, and in my opinion too the girl can sing so I was like right. you do your own harmonies you'll do great with it so that's her doing her own harmonies on that song too and that was off of our um, four, six, Route 460 CD it's a couple years old Okay. Okay. now we have another song we're going to play and that is People Get Ready maybe oh, you yeah. could talk about that before we play it Absolutely. That song really has a, a big history with us for, for several reasons. Uh, I guess the song itself is a 1965 single that was done by The Impressions, um, Curtis Mayfield's band. And it was the mm-hmm. title track from their album, People Get Ready. Um, we stumbled across the the the, 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 the the recipe for the song in a rehearsal when we were working with one of our band configurations one of our bass players we were running through the song and he started he said hey wait listen to this and he was playing the same bass line and singing john Mayer's waiting for the world to change waiting on the world to uh-huh. change and we thought well that's kind of interesting how that worked out that they were kind of working around the same um, chord pattern but never thought much of it but um that bass player uh his name was henry hancock fantastic guy just a, a loving human being we we lost him probably five or six years ago now, and we revisited the song, wanted to do something in memory of Henry, but then as we started looking at putting those two songs together, we realized the, the message of that song was, it, it's 55 years old and it could have been written yesterday. And right. it just, it resonates that, that there's this song of hope and optimism is that telling people, mm-hmm. you know, there's a chance, there's something coming, your opportunity's coming, don't don't quit, don't give up. Here we are 55 years later still holding on to that. And we thought yeah. we've got to do these as a um, medley-type mix and slip the waiting on the world to change in there. And um, we did that. Now, when, when Mayfield wrote it, it was a year after the March on Washington, just for some context. Um, uh-huh. It, it, it's a year after that. It's the events that took place in America's history in that period were were, were life-changing for, for everyone. The assassination of President Kennedy shaped our, our political landscape. You had the, the bombing of the 16th Street Baptist Church in Birmingham. Four precious little girls' lives were lost. You had all mm-hmm. these things going on, and, and Curtis Mayfield and the Impressions put this song out talking about um, – Regardless of what happens, get yourself together because we're going to get a chance. Your chance is coming. The train is coming. 
There's going to be an opportunity mm-hmm. for redemption. There's going to be a chance to rise above racism and to stand apart, you know, from despair. And I was like, wow, as we looked at that, we said, yeah, that was a few years ago when we recorded it. We were thinking how important for that message to be out there. So let's do an arrangement. Yeah that was very easy to listen to. And as you're listening to it, then you realize the message of it. And uh, that's how we put these two together. Okay. So we're going to play a little of that. Just hang on. We'll, we'll be back okay. after, after Art plays a little of that. All right. Thank you. People get ready. just went out okay <laughs> so um so if listeners want to follow where you're playing if the, you're in the you're going to be you're playing around the Roanoke Virginia area those outdoor venues sure best place to get all that information is our website which is okay myragtop.com okay we will have information have you- Oh, I'm sorry. We'll have information about our weekly Facebook Lives that are on there, as well oh, as a link to uh, <laughs> all of our past uh, streams as well. Um, you can watch our past streams on there. and It's just probably the most informative place to find out what we're doing, watch videos, watch past live streams, see where we're playing. It's the best place to start to find out about us. Okay. Okay, so people can see your online concerts as well as find out where you're playing outdoors. Absolutely, yeah. Great. Awesome. So I hope you get to play some more pretty soon. 
but I'm glad that you guys are are still doing what you're doing. You haven't stopped, and and maybe you'll have some more followers now that people can watch you from everywhere. Yeah, uh, it's it's a neat experience to be able to do it, and we are. I think our furthest one away was a few weeks ago. We had someone from Italy on in one of the evenings, so I guess that cool. had to be a different time of day over there, but. Uh, yeah, it, it's really an opportunity to reach more fans and friends, and people are looking for something to do. I think the time I myself will watch different live performances during the week, looking for entertainment, and we don't have a, a great deal of options right now. And uh, to be able to have the opportunity to go on social media and listen to new music, listen to podcasts, listen to people, like learn about books, you know, I mean, the opportunities mm-hmm. are, are are there. And it's important yeah. that we get out there and take advantage of it. So it's although it's Absolutely. a learning curve for me, I'm I think it's gonna be worth it for us all. Yeah. Well good luck with that. And uh I look forward to speaking with you again soon. Stay safe. Thank you, Doctor. Thank you for having us as friends of the show. We really appreciate it and a big thank you to Mr. Art Mendoza too. He's been great yeah. to us and we, we appreciate that as well. All right. Well you take care, have a good evening and we'll we'll speak again. Thank you, Doctor. Bye-bye. All right. Bye-bye. All right. So before Art cuts us off the air, let me let you know what's happening next week, next Sunday, June 28th. We'll be back with another show live from here in Austin, Texas. We'll be joined by Dr. Zakia Gates once again, and she's joining us from Philadelphia. Dr. Gates is professor of education who refers to herself as an intentional, transformative, culturally responsive social justice professor of education. So perfect timing. She will be on this time to discuss the tipping point of tension that we have found ourselves in the U.S. related to social injustice and what we can do to be part of the solution. And more. We always have more. And if you want to hear tonight's program again and read the information from this show and from previous shows, listen to previous shows, etc. Go to my website. All the website links that we talked about on this program will be there later tonight along with the podcast to this show. DrMaraCarpel.com is the website. You can also listen to this program in as soon as five minutes from now by going directly to Blog Talk Radio, B-L-O-G, talkradio.com slash your golden years, or you can go to Apple Podcasts and it'll be there too. And for future events, Go to Dr. Mara Carpell, Your Golden Years, on Facebook. This show was produced by Compass Entertainment, Postal Productions, and Psyched Up Productions. And special thanks to my guests, Phil Martin and Renee and Jim Oliphant of Ragtop. And, of course, you all for listening. Have a peaceful night and inspiring week. And remember, youth has no age. Good night, everyone. Stay safe. guidance offered by Dr. Carpell is not intended to replace the advice of your own physician or mental health specialist. 
Neither Dr. Carpell, her sponsors, nor this station assumes responsibility for the misuse of any of the information given on this show. 